How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob DeMello, and joining me, my big little bro, former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman and Spectrum Sports analyst RJ Hollis. And RJ, it was a big weekend for the University of Hawaii Very football big. team as they got back on the winning track, defeating New Mexico 45-31 in Albuquerque. That is the Rainbow Warriors' first win over the Lobos since 1991, the first road win over New Mexico since 1987, and their 35-3 halftime lead was the biggest halftime advantage in University of Hawaii football history on the road. So a lot took place there over the weekend as the Rainbow Warriors improved to 5-3 overall, 2-2 two two in the Mountain West Conference, and most importantly, they keep pace in that West Division race where, of course, they control their own destiny. So that was a much-needed win, and especially when you look at Fresno State coming into town this weekend. So we'll talk about what went back here in the last couple of days, and then, of course, what moves forward. But first things first, RJ, is your initial reaction from this 45-31 win over the Lobos? I think this is a very much needed win for a team that, you know, after losing two games and kind of a big margin, they had to get some way to bounce back. They want to figure out a way to get atop this West division. They know they got Fresno State coming in this week, but you had to take out the Lobos. And as you mentioned, that's something that hasn't been done since 1987, seven years prior to me being born. So I know hey, all hey, these. You ain't got to bring that up. <laughs> you ain't got to bring that up. Not like that, but I'm just saying, I know all the young men on this team weren't alive the last time this happened. So, you know, even though it is, a victory, one that they can't get too hung up on. It is a part of history because it's been so long since they've been able to do this. So it was a great victory for the Warriors. Now there are different facets to this win. There was the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we'll go over all of them. The first things first though, the perhaps you can call it the very good Cole McDonald, that quarterback, 377 total yards as he threw the ball, he ran the ball. He posted 140 yards rushing with two touchdowns in this game. That is his career high in rushing. And it's funny because when he entered the program and he was the backup for Drew Brown as a redshirt freshman, he was primarily used as a running quarterback. And people were complaining when he, every time he'd come in, be like, well, I guess, you know, I wonder what UH is going to do at this point. They're going to run it. That's the running guy. Then he comes in last year as the starter. And he throws the ball primarily, and, you know, he played hurt, so that's a lot of the reason why he wasn't running the football. But then here this season, he's been able to broke it open. Over the last couple of games, even in losses to Boise State and Air Force, he showed that he could be the leading rusher on this team. And I think the thing that jumps out the most in this game is that he took what the defense gave them. What did you think of Cole McDonald, the overall picture, the, the runner, the passer, the leader of this football team here against New Mexico? I, I think the last words you said kind of hit it on the head. This showed Cole McDonald, Cole McDonald, the leader, where he's thrown 500-yard games before and thrown 400-yard games before, and they've still come out with losses. At 237 yards, this was his second lowest passing game this season, yet he still led them to a beautiful victory. And like you said, the largest first half lead they've had in school history. So it shows you that Cole McDonald can beat you with both his hands and his feet. And even though they have this run and shoot where they want to pass the ball a lot, 
giving Cole McDonald the opportunity to run with the ball gives another aspect that defensive coordinators are going to have to now see when they come face the Warriors. So I think Cole McDonald spread his wings by both showing he can get it in the air, but I can kill you with my feet too if you let me. Now you were on the team when Cole McDonald entered the University of Hawaii football program right. as a true freshman, about 25 pounds lighter than he is now. Were you surprised in the breakaway speed that Cole showed against New Mexico on that big 76-yard touchdown. I mean, heading into the program, like I said, he was viewed as the, the running quarterback. Were you surprised on how quick he's been able to maintain the, those feet despite being 225 pounds now? Uh, I don't think I was surprised as much as I was reminded. Mm -hmm. You know, having a couple of years out of football and becoming an analyst, I've been able to kind of see the other side of the spectrum of watching somebody play. And I remember earlier this season going to a practice and I was standing behind the defense while the offense was running a play and it was a RPO and Cole McDonald got to me 15 yards so fast I had to double take because I was like wait that can't be him and then I seen the little blonde dreadlocks hanging out the helmet and I was like oh goodness but Cole has had feet since he got here and like you mentioned you know much of his begins or his beginning career here, he was running the ball. It was pretty much an RPO where you know mm -hmm. he's not going to throw it. So, you know, Cole McDonald had already shown that he could run the ball, and I think his importance as a passer kind of hindered him being able to use his legs because you're worried about him going down, you're worried about injuries, it's a grueling season, so you really don't want to kind of risk it. But they gave him the opportunity this game, and he showed them gazelles. As one door closes, another opens, and that's in regards to the weapons that Cole McDonald has. Last week, Melky Stovall dismissed from the football team. Then a day later, it was learned that Kumokunoa out of Kamehameha, who was a key component to this offense in 2017, was active, and he would be playing here against New Mexico. And hello, world. Four catches, <laughs> 120 yards, and a touchdown for Kumokunoa. Uh, he is the sixth different receiver for the University of Hawaii in eight games to post 100 yards in a game, which is just remarkable. And it shows that Cole McDonald is able to spread it around. And again, it goes back to giving what the defense or taking what the defense is giving you. Your thoughts on Kumoko Noah's return to this football team and how important will number four be moving forward in this run and shoot offense? I mean, he, he splashed back on the scene. And let's not forget, Kamoku Noah was somebody that was well-adjusted with the run and shoot. He was mm -hmm. somebody that knew the playbook very well. And right now, his experience is going to help this team because you see he just knows where to be. I mean, when he's catching these balls, getting open, four catches, 120 yards. I mean, you do the math. That means every time he's touching it, some something's exploding, yeah. you know, and that is showing and what this kid's playing. But as you mentioned before, there's six receivers with over 100 yards receiving out of eight games. Defensive coordinators, you have fun trying to figure out who they're going to throw to the ball to next because now you know, oh, I got anybody. This receiver core got more deals than the McDonald's menu. I mean, <laughs> you're looking at, you know, multiple threats from the inside, from the outside. And one thing that they did want to solidify for the passing game was the outside receiver, which Moku Noah brings in because he primarily plays the outside. Now, he can also line up on the slot as well, but I think his knowledge of what's going on and his ability to go out there, diagnose the run and shoot that he's been familiar with with all these years and make those plays count. Because like you said, it's only four catches, but you accredited 120 yards. That means you covered the whole football field in your four plays. So I think having Moku Noah back 
adding him with this tandem of crazy wide receivers where it just seems like somebody's coming out of the woodwork with a great game every week. I think it's just going to make this run-and-shoot offense that much more deadly. Yeah, run-and-shoot has been explosive, and you can imagine with the addition of Kumokunoa, who, keep in mind, in his last game played for the University of Hawaii against BYU, scored a touchdown, and his very first reception back was on a touchdown against New Mexico. So this is a guy that knows, to find, knows how to find his way explosive. to the end zone, for sure. Now, the University of Hawaii defense, it was a tale of two halves for this team, and keep in mind that when the starters were pulled from this game, Hawaii was leading 45-10. to 10. And as we mentioned, the final score is 45-31. So I think there's a little bit of a cloud of, okay, what really happened there um, as far as this UH defense? And, you know, we'll get to the mailbox later. And, and you know, a couple of the questions that came in that, that aren't used, but I'll mention it here, is people were frustrated with the UH defense saying, why can't they rise to the occasion? Why can't they show up? Uh, and the thing to keep in mind is that the University of Hawaii defense did show up. And when you're leading 45-10 in the fourth quarter and then you pull your starters out and things happen, you know, the thing you got to keep in mind is a lot of those reserves and some of the freshmen that were on the field, they weren't a part of the game plan. If anything, they were on the opposite side. They were part of the scout team trying to get the offense ready. Exactly. And so, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily tell the story of the UH defense in this game. You had Jeremiah Pritchard, five tackles and a sack as he was the hawk on Tuioti, the quarterback from New Mexico, and he was able to give him fits all game long. Kai Kaneshiro, just a couple of days after being named the Football Writers Association of America midseason All-American, he had eight tackles in a return from injury as far as being back to 100%. Solomon Matautia, four tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pick six. Pick six. Your thoughts on the UH defense and what you saw through those first three quarters with the starters in place? Well, I mean, it... It's not really much for me to explain. It speaks for itself. They set history with the biggest lead they've had as a football team at this program. So that defense definitely showed up. Solomon Maltautia with the pick six. And let's not forget that even when New Mexico did start to come back, it was Ikamo Keke yep. with the game-winning interception. As they threw the starters back in. Exactly. Yeah. That came back in and helped save this game. So I think one thing that people have to understand is that UH isn't a program that has been winning for years. There has to be a point where you have to understand not only how not to lose, but also how to win. Not too many times as UH led teams 45 to 10. So you never really understand what happens there. You never really prep your backups. And like you said, a lot of times these backup players are going in more focused on getting their starters ready for a gruesome game. You really mm -hmm. don't expect you to go out there and break or, you know, set history in the first half and then, you know, go up 45-10 in the second half. And now we weren't even ready to come in and we're in the game. So, you know, granted, this is a full team thing. And yes, the defense started letting them come back and, you know, there, there's things that are required out of a defense, even if you are the backup. But you got to look at it. UH hasn't beat New Mexico since 91, hasn't beat them there since 87. This is not something they're used to. So you got to figure out, I think, over time, they'll start learning how to win. And I think that's kind of one of the things that fans are kind of getting frustrated with, having these big leads and not being able to end the game on a big lead. Yeah, and one thing to also remember is we talked about this here for the last couple of weeks is the University of Hawaii football team, although the three losses were blowout losses, 
but they were two nationally ranked Washington, nationally ranked Boise State, and a very good Air Force team. Very that proved, good Air Force. That proved how good they are because they went up and, and, and blasted Utah State this past weekend. And a Utah State team, who a lot of people in the Mountain Division thought that could be the team that unseats Boise State. And now all of a sudden, there needs to be talk about Air Force because if Boise slips up, a couple of times this season, Air Force is right there. Um, it, it looks like they're going to be a tough team to beat here moving forward. But I mentioned that because, yes, UH 0-3, but you got to remember, they're 0-3 against teams that they were favored to lose to. They are 5-0 and against teams they were favored to beat. So this is a team that is taking care of business. And really, when you look at seasons, even in the past, everyone loves to bring back the June Jones era and the glory days, is you had those losses, but... You try to get that one or two upsets in a year that really turn the tide. And that's what the University of Hawaii football team needs to look forward to now. They need to take care of business against the teams that they that they're uh, supposed to beat and then beat a team that they aren't supposed to beat. And exactly. that's, they're still, you're still going to have that opportunity because San Diego State, down the road, no matter what happens, I still think is going to be favored here at Aloha Stadium. But again, that's getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves because Fresno State is here this weekend, Saturday at Aloha Stadium, 6 p.m. kickoff at, on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. And so your thought on the Bulldogs. Now, obviously, this is a team that was the, the king of the West Division last year, but they graduated a lot of players. They are very young all of a sudden, and they're showing it to where they're inconsistent this year. Um, Hawaii facing Fresno State. What are your initial thoughts on this game Saturday, a game that means so much in the West Division with them even with two losses in conference? Well, you always got to be careful. You know, as somebody that played Fresno State, you always got to be careful in playing these guys. I mean, this is about as close to and as authentic a rivalry as UH has. But like you said, this isn't the same team they were last year, being king of the West, kind of controlling and dominating that this part of the division. Right now, they're one and two on the road. So, you know, they definitely are having struggles playing on the road. They're not winning in conference. So this is a team that you know, you could definitely take advantage of, but you cannot sleep on. UH hasn't beat Fresno State in Hawaii since 2007. Mm -hmm. So that is over a decade of Fresno State coming out here and beating UH. So regardless of what the tape may say, this is definitely a team you should worry about. They have nine interceptions as a team. So this is a ball hawking defensive group. And knowing how much UH is going to want to throw the ball, having six receivers with 100 yard games already, we already know that this is going to be a very competitive game. So you know, UH, I think, could come out with this win, but they're definitely going to have to prep for it. Can't sleep on the Bulldogs. All right, it's time to crack open the Bose Football Final mailbox. And as always, you can send in questions or comments through social media. You can find me on Instagram, at Rob DeMello, or on Twitter, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N. And we got three questions. The very first one, the run game success. What did UH do differently that allowed them to have their most successful running game of the season, especially in running back Miles Reed? What did you see? I mean, quite simply put, you just ran the ball more. UH set a season high for yards with 255, and they also tied a season high in attempts with 34. The only other time they did this is when they played Washington, and this was around the same time they put up those 20 points. So when you look at it, the running game is definitely more instrumental in this run and shoot than a lot of people may think, and maybe even more so than the coaches realize. And I think this last game showed it. The RPO, being able to suck 
defense defenders in to kind of believe Miles Reed is going to get this ball, and now we forget about Cole McDonald. Or we're worried about Cole McDonald, and now Miles Reed gets it up mm-hmm. the gut with five offensive linemen meeting the five men that are in the box. So I think this running game is definitely starting to show its own importance just by being used. They, Like I said, they ran the ball 34 times more than they did any other time except for Washington, and they got more yards. So I don't think there was, you know, too much extra emphasis on the run game. I just think the more they used it, the more they executed, the better it worked. Yeah, and it's interesting because in the pregame show on Spectrum Sports, we're talking about this New Mexico defense ranking dead last in the country in giving up uh, passing yards. So therefore, if New Mexico wanted to try and limit that, they would probably have to blitz to get the ball out of Cole's hands quickly so that you can't go up top like every other team did against New Mexico. And the interesting thing is that it's all strategy. I mean, it's all a chess game there to what happened is when the University of Hawaii hit that field, they saw the amount of attention that that passing game was getting and you take advantage of that. It's all about like what we talked about with Cole McDonald. You take what the defense is giving you. Exactly. And that is what the defense gave you is that the University of Hawaii was going to be able to run the football against New Mexico. They did it effectively. Now, will that work against Fresno State? That remains to be seen. And does that mean that every time the University of Hawaii football team plays a game, they need to be running the, the ball 40 times? Well, not necessarily. It depends on the team that you're facing and, and the scheme that they put out there. Um, but I think that when you put on tape, that Cole McDonald can run for 140 yards. When you put on tape that Miles Reed can have the the kind of game that he had with the amount of of touches that he got in the game, that only opens up your passing game, and at the end of the day, the run and shoot is is what is going to lead the University of Hawaii to what they want to do. So putting on tape that you can run the football, probably the most important thing and, and the biggest victory in this game moving forward for this Rainbow Warrior football team. I mean, you said it, Rob. It's almost, you know, monumental what the running game will mean to this run and shoot. I mean, you look at it, it saves your defense when you have more time of possession. UH had three score, three drives of four minutes or longer, and they all went for touchdowns. Two of them were in the second quarter where UH only held New Mexico to three points. So that in itself showed that when you got a running game and you're able to, more importantly than run the clock off the uh, offensive side, you rest your defense. And when you look at the fact that, you know, Kai Kaneshiro, that Jeremiah Pritchard, that Ikemo Keke, that Kalen Hicks, all important players have missed time in games due to injury. That should show you that if we could keep the ball in our hands, maybe just a little bit longer, they will be fresher. And that is definitely something you need to do. And more importantly, when you get the five-man boxes, that you run that ball to eliminate that because the more people that got to stuff that box, you get exactly what you want, which mm-hmm. is man-on-man matchups. Anytime UH can get a man-on-man matchup, and I don't care who it is, hence the six receivers with 100 yards, we're going to make that happen. So the more you can get defenses focusing on, ah, we can't get away from that run game. We kind of got to even keep somebody safe. Even if you get those safeties to hesitate in the middle of the field and Cedric Bird just gets that little, or JoJo Ward just gets that little, or Kamoku Noah even sees his man-on-man matchup, takes it to the outside because you stalling in the middle of the field. All of this helps, and all of this is powered by the running game. So I understand I'm a, I'm a former offensive lineman, it may seem like there's a little bit of bias here, oh, but when you <laughs> but when you look at everything that this running game brings, when you even look at the fact 
that UH has been outscored 44 to 13 in the last two four quarters between Air yeah. Force and New Mexico, the fourth quarters. That's showing you that this defense is exhausted regardless of position. Because mm -hmm. in New Mexico, you're up in the fourth quarter. You get outscored. In Air Force, you're down only by one point. I mean, one score, excuse me. But you still let them take off. So having that defense fully rested in the fourth quarter, having your running game becoming a part of your offense, so now coordinators are absolutely petrified. What can you do when you have to focus on Miles Reed but cover four wide receivers at the same time? Pick your poison. So I think this running game is definitely going to be something that coming in weeks forward, facing Fresno State, facing San Diego State, UNLV, that's mm -hmm. way more impressive than they may look record-wise, this running game is going to be absolutely monumental. All right, moving on to the next question is asking, does the 45-31 win, meaning that New Mexico scored 21 in the fourth quarter to make that game a lot closer than, than it was for the entirety of that ball game, does that show the lack of a killer instinct by the University of Hawaii and head coach Nick Rolovich? What are your thoughts on that? Is there a question? Because against Central Arkansas, similar thing where Hawaii went up, I believe, 21 to 7 or 21 to 6, and um, Central Arkansas made that a game there uh, late in the, the second half. Is there a, a question? Is there a concern in the killer instinct of this University of Hawaii football team? Uh, I, I would say definitely not. And if you watch the game, they were taking pot shots all third mm -hmm. quarter. So it wasn't like they weren't still trying to get to the end zone. It was just these passes weren't necessarily falling. And, I mean, it could have been because New Mexico made adjustments. It could have been, you know, because Chevin didn't have the same uh, rhythm at that point with the receivers and they were trying to figure each other out. But whatever case it may be, they were still trying to get in the end zone. This is also another thing I try to bring back to the running game. You're up by 32 points. So why do you decide to keep taking pot shots towards the end zone? That, to me, screams killer instinct. Like, oh, yeah, we just broke a record for being up by first half. Not enough, New Mexico. You're going down. But, you know, so I think the killer instinct is definitely there. And I think, you know, it's something that Rolo is trying to put into his team. I think he's trying to show them, hey, you already beat Nevada 54-3. You know, you went on the road, and yes, you lost to Boise State ugly, but that was the best game we've had against them in the last six matchups. There is talent on this team, talent further than what these kids maybe can even see themselves doing. And I think right now, Rolo is actually trying to instill that killer instinct because, like I said, even though they set that lead record in the first half, when Chevin came in in the third quarter, you go back and watch the tape, they was dropping bombs. They was trying to get it into the end zone every chance they could. So I don't think it's a killer, uh, killer instinct problem. I think maybe UH, you know, like I said, gets back to the running game, a little bit of better clock control so that you can eat up a little bit more of the clock with these big leads instead of, you know, 30 seconds we're off the field and now they get way more time to score. So the killer instinct is there. I just think it's, you know, time management, clock control, stuff like that. All right, moving on to the last question here. Fresno State-Hawaii rivalry. Is it the number one rivalry for this University of Hawaii football program? You've played in it. You've been a part of it. What are your thoughts? Is Fresno State the number one rival for the Rainbow Warriors? I would have to say absolutely. I think the close second would be uh, UNLV, just mm. because of, you know, the amount of Ninth Islanders out there. But I remember when we went to go play Fresno State in 2016. That Fresno State was actually 
one of the few places I traveled twice. The first time I went in 2014, I didn't play, but I was on the team. And I can tell you, as far as hostile environments yeah. go, there are not too many places that hate Hawaii fans and players more than Fresno. In fact, the away locker room, you have to walk through about half a mile of fans before yeah, you get the to the mile. tunnel. The oh, mile. yes, and the Red Mile had plenty of explicitives coming your <laughs> way if you were wearing green. And in 2016, we actually beat them. And I remember coming out of the tunnel, I got about... 20 to 25 invitations to the parking lot. And if you know what that means after a lo or after beating the team, yeah. you know those invitations aren't for cookies. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, they definitely uh, didn't like me. And I mind you, I smiled all the time, yeah. tried to be friendly with everybody. You know, somebody, grandma was cussing me out right <laughs> behind our sideline the entire time. So I think Fresno State is definitely the number one rivalry, especially when you look at the competitive nature of all the games, you know, whether it's the field goal block victory in 2016, whether it was the almost historic 39-point comeback that UH had in 2014 here, you know, so the competitiveness is always there regardless of who may have the better team on paper, who may have, you know, the better ranking. I feel like every time Fresno State and UH face off, it's a battle. Yeah, it's interesting, and I think it's, it says a lot about Hawaii people and Hawaii fans that kind of us versus them mentality because you know when you look at who a lot of people feel the rival is BYU and it's because BYU continually beat down Hawaii over and over and over again and then right. in the late 90s or uh, early 90s Hawaii able to get some wins over that team and that was euphoria right you look at Boise State same thing Boise State just bomb 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 over and over and over again in 07 you get that win and, it, and it's the greatest feeling of all time and I think that's why a lot of people ship that these are our rivals but when you look at it those are more nemesis than yeah, rivals no, because they control you and you're trying to get the win with Fresno State it's the other way around where Hawaii in the modern era has dominated that series up until the Norm Chow era, right? When you look at the glory days of UH, uh, I mean, just off the top of my head, 99, they won a WAC championship by beating Fresno State. Then in 2001, they ended Fresno State's run at a WAC championship. In 2002, they went up on the road. John West had a breakaway touchdown to seal the deal. You come back, Bernard Berrien is supposed to be the best receiver in college football. You shut them down, you win here. In 2004, you get blasted 70 to 14 but then you come home from that game and that was the spark that led them to the Hawaii Bowl there then you lose in 05 you win on the road in 06 in a blowout Leonard Peters the pick six and one of the biggest wins and road wins in UH football history 07 the last time that they won at Aloha Stadium here so you look at that stretch and really in 08 Hawaii went up on the road and beat 22nd ranked Fresno State and that was the only road victory over a ranked opponent in program history. So I almost feel like a lot of fans discredit the rivalry because of Hawaii's wins, right? And, and But really, when you look at it, um, I, I think what makes a great rivalry is to be hated, right? And as you mentioned, there is no place that the University of Hawaii can go that is more hated than, than Fresno. Fresno. Exactly. So that is what makes this thing a rivalry, and that's why, without a doubt, it's number one in my book. Yes. Hawaii, Fresno State, the number one rivalry. If you look at competitiveness, I think San Jose State and UNLV is in there as well because no matter how those teams are, no matter how bad Hawaii is, how good Hawaii is, and vice versa, 
always close games when it's UNLV and San Jose State. So I think from a from a competitive standpoint, those are rivalries that should be considered as well. But Fresno State should be number one. And then you add some of the urban legends out there. In 2002, June Jones saying that as he left the field, a screwdriver was thrown at him uh, by a fan. And so there was talks of, of creating a golden screwdriver trophy, rivalry yep. trophy race <laughs> that never, uh, never came to fruition. But then you look at... Uh, in 2000, after Hawaii beat Fresno State for the WAC title in 1999, there was a story going around that Pat Hill had a University of Hawaii helmet chained to the back of his truck that he would drive around and drag throughout Fresno for the entire year up until they played him again in 2000 and picked up the win. Now, wow. has that ever been verified? I don't know, but <laughs> that's what rivalries exactly. are all about, man. It's those exactly. crazy stories that may or may not be true. And, and I got one that doesn't have to be verified. In 2016, Ooh, oh, here we go. In 2016 Jeremiah Pritchard threw a full-fledged punch at one of the Fresno <laughs> players and I can reassure everybody he was not reprimanded by any coach nor any player we just felt the power of that punch through all of us we felt like that one punch was enough for all of us to say yeah we don't like y'all either and that you know every time you go into Fresno State that's the environment I mean I, I love it I love the competitive nature I love when you can go places in it and it's intense and like you mentioned I think the true identity of a rivalry is the competitiveness. Mm -hmm. Alabama and Auburn, I believe, is the best rivalry in college football because no matter how high and mighty Alabama gets, they know whenever they go to face yeah. the Tigers, you can lose. It, no matter what you're doing, no matter what they're doing, they can always beat you. I remember Cam Newton coming back and doing a 29-point second half to beat Alabama and Brian Denny, but they still went on to win the national championship. So granted, Regardless of whatever the other two teams are doing, when two teams face and they are ready to go and they know it's going to be, you know, a showdown no matter what paper says, I think that is the best part of a rivalry. And that's what makes Fresno State such a great game. Now, this conversation that we just had, if that doesn't get you excited about a rivalry game at Aloha Stadium, I don't know what will. That means head on down to Halava on Saturday. Now, obviously, we'll be doing the game on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. If you can't make it down there, maybe you're on a neighbor island, watch it on pay-per-view. But if you're on Oahu, I'm telling you, and I don't know if my Spectrum Sports bosses will appreciate this, but go down to the stadium. Pack that stadium because... Get it's it a loud. rivalry game. Get this it loud. is a big game in the West Division. And if Hawaii wants to make this run for that West Division title, which would be a first in program history, it's going to go through Fresno State first. So this is a big game for the Rainbow Warriors. They are listed as three-point favorites to open the week. I have a feeling that's going to probably go down as we get closer to the game because everyone understands what Fresno State-Hawaii means. It is a rivalry game. Have no question about that but again kickoff set for 6 p.m at aloha stadium no matter what happens we'll be back here on monday for bose football final with khon2.com you can watch it on demand throughout the weekend of course wherever you get podcasts that's on apple Podcasts, google play spotify anybody UPM, you can borrow your friend's phone or Twitter, whatever it is Facebook, exactly all that. this guy knows what's up yeah. so bose football final will be here the rest of the way for rj hollis i'm rob demello we'll catch you next time on bff